Hi, this is Richard Garfield with The Game Glimpse, where I drone on and on about a game that's on my mind. I'll tell you what interests me in the game, and perhaps tie that into games in general. Maybe I'll tell a story from my experiences. But for now, let the droning begin. Hi, today I'm going to talk about Flashpoint, a cooperative firefighting game by Kevin Lansing, published by Indie Board and Cards. Flashpoint puts the players in the roles of firefighters who are trying to battle a blaze and rescue people from a burning building. The box says it's good for two to six players. I doubt it's too good with two, although it would be fine for learning the game and uh, may stand up to some replay. And uh, I imagine with six it would get a little slow, but could still be a lot of fun. The basic structure of the game has the players taking sequential turns, and on a player's turn they have a number of action points, and they can use their action points to move or battle a fire or chop a hole in a wall or uh, try to uh, rescue a person. After a player has taken their move, they roll to see what happens with the fire. The square they roll will acquire smoke, unless it is already next to fire, in which case it'll acquire fire. And if there's already fire in the square, it it causes an explosion which radiates fire out in every direction, which might damage walls or burst open doors uh, or start entirely new squares of fire. There are three face-down counters on the board which represent possible victims. Firefighters have to reach these spots and flip them over before they can determine if they're victims, and uh, if they are, then they have to uh, get them out of the building. If the fire claims four victims, uh, then the players lose. If the building collapses, uh, which can happen if the walls take too much damage, then the players lose. But players can win if they rescue seven victims. With advanced play, each player also has its own, his own special power. Uh, for example, there are some firefighters that are good at putting out fires and other ones that are good at resuscitating people, and still others that are good at operating the water cannon on top of the fire truck. In the advanced play, there's also hazardous material, which acts like little bombs set around the house. And if the fire reaches the hazardous material, then it blows up, causing an explosion. Flashpoint has nice-looking components uh, with a very clean design. The theme is ideal for a cooperative game. Firefighters are heroic, and they work cooperatively against a foe that is well-suited to being operated by a game system. I would say the biggest challenge facing a cooperative game is the problem of one player taking control of all the other players' moves or a subset of the players taking control of all the other players' moves. A cooperative game where everybody is working together to solve the puzzle that is the game can be a lot of fun and an experience that you get unlike other traditional games. But when you have a game like Pandemic, for example or Forbidden Island, there is the temptation for the people who know the game the best to instruct other people. This uh, doesn't have to be mean-spirited or impolite even. Uh, um, Everybody begins chatting, and the people who know the game the best or who analyze these things the best uh, begin dominating uh, the conversation, and pretty soon you you find yourself on on the borders and being instructed what to do. This is different than uh, 
like a sport with a team game. If uh, another player tells me to pass the ball to somebody else, they still can't pass the ball for me. But it feels kind of uh, bad in a cooperative board game when somebody tells me what I want to do is move my piece to here and then I move my piece to there. Well, it doesn't feel like I've done all that much. There are a number of ways to combat this. One way is to have hidden information so that uh, not everybody knows all the what all the other players know. Uh, this is generally done in the in, in the manner of uh, cards. Although perplexingly, most of these games that have cards, like Pandemic or Forbidden Island, don't leverage it as a method of reducing this problem. That is, they encourage you to share the information on the cards. In fact, just share the cards. Some games with cards do forbid you to tell other players what's going on with the cards, but oftentimes the line is difficult to draw between telling other people what your cards are and uh, and talking about strategy, which most people want to do. For example, in the game Shadows Over Camelot, which is almost a cooperative game, you're not allowed to tell people what's in your hand, but you can talk about strategy. This can devolve into strategic tips to each other, which uh, all but tell the other players what your cards are. I'm a little strategically weak around the three-card area, for example. There are no cards in Flashpoint, at least no hidden cards, so this isn't an issue with Flashpoint. Another method of making it so that one person doesn't control everything could be to introduce a time pressure. Uh, If you only have time to make your own move and not to think about everybody else's moves, uh, maybe you won't be moving for everybody else. Uh, that's a little hardcore for most players. Uh, they don't like introducing timers to the games. Another method of controlling that problem is to uh, reduce communication, and uh, this is actually my favorite way to uh, modify cooperative games. And and what this is, you can make it a rule that you can't talk, uh, for instance, on somebody else's turn. I mean, uh, that doesn't sound very social, but uh, but you can talk about whatever, movies or uh, food or or whatnot. You just can't talk strategy during other people's turns. But on your turn, you can say whatever you like, and that way on my turn, I'm on my own, and and nobody else can tell me what to do, and uh, other people can lay out general strategies on their turn. This can be even more extreme. Uh, uh, My most enjoyable games of Shadows Over Camelot have been games in which we forbid any talking even on your turn about the game. And uh, Shadows Over Camelot isn't strictly a cooperative game because there uh, might be a traitor among you. But uh, this made the game much more exciting because when people did moves which you didn't agree with, you have to ask yourself whether they're a traitor or not. This makes it much more uh, exciting to play as the traitor and uh, much more challenging for everyone else. This is something which, uh, if your game of Flashpoint uh, ends up in that area, uh, you could probably use to great effect to control the game and make it exciting. As players get better, uh, they can operate without uh, talking on other players' turns. One other uh, less appreciated way of controlling the uh, amount of power a particular player has is, is introducing a little role-playing. This this can be done by having it so players have separate roles and uh and they end up channeling their characters' goals a little bit. So, for example, in Dungeons & Dragons, which is often a cooperative game, my character may not do what everybody else wants to do because that's not what my character wants to do. 
and he's not always a team player. I'm role-playing. Hardcore traditional gamers won't want to use this method, but this actually has a little play in Flashpoint because each player does have their own character, and, and some characters are good at rescue, and some characters are good at putting out fires, and I found that during the game the players with those characters tended to follow those goals even perhaps beyond reason because that's what their character would want to do. So there's no particular mechanical reason why this game should work as a cooperative game which overcomes the one player controlling the other players. And yet it worked very well for us. It could be just because we were playing with a uh, good group at working as a team. Um, But it also uh, could be something else which I'll talk about in the next section, uh, the amount of chaos in the game. In general, I would advise you in playing cooperative games to uh, try to incorporate some of these methods I've talked about, or and, and certainly at the very least, when you're playing with people who don't know what they're doing, let them make their own moves and discover the strategies themselves. This may take some patience on your part, but, uh, but it's worth it, because once people are kind of ramped up and on the same page, oftentimes they can get uh, into a place where everybody's working as a team for a while. This won't always work, though. I've got some friends who analyze these games to death, and so even though I'm up to speed on the basic strategies of the game, I find myself reinventing the wheel if I expend any thought on what to do in any particular position. They just have it hardwired, and they know, except in the most unusual positions, what should be done. A characteristic of games that I've been thinking of recently is a wild randomness that people like to watch. This doesn't have anything to do with beating the game. It's just fascinating sometimes to watch something happen that is either completely beyond your ability to predict or or just beyond your ability to predict. You might have friends in your game groups, or you might be someone like this yourself, who will play a card or take an action which doesn't really advance their position in the game, but is fun because something really wacky happens and uh, and the person doing that action wants to watch craziness ensue. Traditionally, games like roulette or slots satisfy people, some people's urge to watch these random behaviors. People try to predict uh, whether it's going to be a red or a black and they feel like uh, there's some order to this purely random process. Doesn't have to be pure randomness, though. Uh, games like Bejeweled also satisfy this urge to watch something which is just outside outside people's understanding of what's going to happen. When you make a move and there's all sorts of chain reactions in a game like Bejeweled, um, even though they may or may not be deterministic, uh, you didn't see them coming, and, and you can kind of uh, almost predict things, uh, then it's still satisfying to see sort of how it all unfolds and whether there's something you missed. There's a lot of this chaos in... Flashpoint. It's a very satisfying level of chaos. You you can uh, see the tension in the board build up, and then one spark can set a whole part of the building on fire. I think any time a game has chain reactions, uh, there is a little bit of this going on. In Flashpoint, of course, you have some chain reactions because when there's smoke in a room and it ends up next to a fire, it'll catch fire. And, of course, that means that if you have, like, a long trail of smoke, you can end up with uh, with with just places going up in flames that uh, were just smoky before. I think the level of randomness in Flashpoint goes beyond most cooperative games I've played. It is possible this will contribute somewhat to more autonomy in players' moves. I'm not sure about this, but but certainly that's been my experience in the limited number of games I've played. 
there's enough craziness that it's really hard to predict the fire, and that makes it so that uh, advising somebody is somewhat dangerous because you could easily give them the correct odds play and uh, they end up burning up. But, but even knowing the correct odds play is difficult because there's so, so much swinginess to how things unfold. There is certainly a breed of advice giver that is going to think twice after they advise a beginner and the house collapses because of the advice. I certainly can't say all advice givers are going to fall into that category, though. One thing you often see with cooperative games is players striving to beat it and once beaten, not being interested in the game anymore. I've got plenty of cooperative games which uh, we beat at easy levels, then moved on to intermediate levels, then moved on to advanced levels, and once we beat the advanced levels, if we really like the game, we might try handicapping us more, ourselves more, but we never pl- played the same game twice once we won. You see this sort of behavior in solitaire games or uh, single-player computer games also. Many of these games players only play once, and when they've beaten it, they've beaten it. Um, They might play it at a harder level after that, but they won't play it again. But this isn't always the case. Uh, You you play Civilization again and again, and you play uh, certain solitaires again and again and try to get your percentage up. I think the level of chaos in Flashpoint may put it more into this category of a game you play again and again and try to get your winning percent up. That's because when you play, you will get the feeling that you got supremely unlucky um, and therefore you lost, and other times you will feel like you got very lucky and that's why you won. But it's also clear that the choices you make have a very big difference to the way that unfolds. Certainly, playing cooperative games or single-player games more than once doesn't seem like it's going to make sense if, after that one win, you feel like you can consistently win. And that is not the case with Flashpoint. You won't feel like you can consistently win. At least, I don't think you will. At least at the highest level. Now, it's possible this will discourage some players because if you can't move your cooperative game to a position where you feel like you can consistently win that sometimes no matter how you play, the game can go against you. Uh, I can see that there'd be some players that wouldn't like that. But for the other players, this could increase the replayability, and it could move it into that category of game which you uh, play again and again and see whether you can get your percentage of wins high. And now it's time for the kids' turn. Flashpoint is a cooperative game. What do you think of cooperative games? I like them because I'm usually not too competitive and I prefer games where you work together because then people don't kill me. And uh, what do you think of cooperative games, Skylar? I, I think they're good. Um, I do like killing people though, so, but yeah, I, I do like cooperative games. Uh, so Eli, do you remember, did we win the game? We did not. We got crushed under the roof. Was it close? Nope. Do you remember? Did we rescue anybody? Uh, we rescued, I think, three people, maybe four. But also a dog died, and then we got crushed. And uh, did you feel bad when the dog died, Skylar? I felt like it could have been stopped. Would you have called this a hot dog? No, I would have called it a cold dog. What would you have done to make our fate different, Skylar? Get luckier. I would get luckier.
And that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this week's Game Glimpse. Feel free to leave any comments you have. If you want to suggest any games, you can do that too. Maybe your game will be the next one I glimpse. And uh, others that are good at uh, manning the water cannon on the tank. Uh, Not tank. Wow, that's a totally different game.